Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Forgave us in the church. He's asking you, listen to this, he's asking you to believe in him and you've never seen him. You've talked to him, but it seems to be a one-way conversation. You do the talking and you're not sure he's even there sometimes. But he is. Aren't you glad sometimes he comes and gives you a little miracle, a little bit of reassurance? Hey, don't stop talking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing because I'm here. I'm listening to every word you're saying. Something had happened in Jerusalem in the lives of these men. Twelve original men, one of them died. There's controversy about how he died, hung himself, Judas. He tried to repent, but he just couldn't do it, I guess. They replaced him uh, with another man just before uh, Jesus sent the promise. He said, you go back to Jerusalem and you wait there. I'm going to send you a gift, the Holy Spirit. We know about that. When Jesus died, his body lay in the ground for three days. Now, he didn't just come back to life after three days. He was resurrected. No man has ever been resurrected. We confuse that with what happened to Lazarus and some of these other uh, people that died came back. All they did was came, they came back to life. I know that because they died again. When you're resurrected, you never die again. Now, there's a lot of confusion. These guys are tired. They've been walking all over Jerusalem for months, following this guy around. Something about Jesus is drawing them and pulling them, and they can't get away from him. They, sometimes they think he's nuts. He's absolutely nuts. Why am I following him? Because everywhere Jesus went, it was supernatural. Meeting some guy at the gate to the temple who had never walked in his life, his legs withered up like rubber bands. Jesus speak a word and the guy gets up and walks. Healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing those that are sick, and even raising the dead. But now he's dead. Look at John 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I'm going fishing. You know, when you're under a lot of stress and confusion, you always like to return to something that was 
something that you did a lot. It was comfortable for you. He was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. And when Jesus found him, he was a fisherman. And now, with all this confusion and where is Jesus, he says, I'm going back to the lake, the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to go and I'm going fishing. And they said unto him in verse 3, we're going with you. And they went forth and they entered into a ship immediately. And that night, now notice this, that night they caught nothing. But when the morning is now, was now coming. How many of you know there's always a morning? The Bible says joy comes in the morning. No matter how bad it looked like last night at midnight, no matter how far down in the slough you were in despondency and despair, there's always a morning that's coming. Joy comes in the morning. When the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. He had changed. And granted, they were offshore a little ways in that boat. They're throwing the net over here. They're throwing that net over there. And all night long, buddy, they're getting with it. They're trying every trick of the fish trade that, that they know about, and they're not catching anything. And so here stands on the beach in the morning. This is somewhere around sunrise. Verse 5, then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? In other words, did you catch anything? If you've ever been fishing down at the beach or somewhere, you know, you got your pole, you go down there, and there's a guy already got his line. Did you catch anything? It's always the question you ask. Have you any meat? Have you any meat? And they answered him, no. Verse 6, and he said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And so they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish. They pulled in a load that they couldn't even get in the boat. You know where those fish were all the time? They were under the boat. That boat's drifting along, the fish are drifting along with it. You know why? Because God intended it to be that way. These guys are despondent. They're depressed. The master has been killed, crucified. They saw it with their own eyes, even though they were in hiding. He, they gave up their livelihoods. They gave up their family. They gave up everything to follow him. And now he, he took them to the place of death. He died. He's gone. What do we do now? He didn't even give us... You know, a plan of action after his death. What are we supposed to do? Verse 7, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, listen to me, look at me. How much do you really love him? I'm going to shock you a little bit. I don't care how much you love him. There's somebody that loves him more than you do. And in this group of 12 men, there was one person. He doesn't speak that much. He's got books in the New Testament. But he, he, during the story itself, he doesn't speak all that much. John. Not John the Baptist. This is John, the disciple. He was a young man. And these, uh, I'm not even going to say, I don't even want to say, there, there are filthy-minded people out there that want to say that there was a, a bad relationship with John and Jesus. Do I need to say any more? 
They were friends. In your life, if you are fortunate enough to have one friend like John, Jesus knew that John would be there no matter what was going on. John was not going to ever forsake him, and they were real friends. Now, he loved all of them. He was friends with all of them, but he had a close relationship with John. The reason that's important was because somebody, please, somebody on the boat, can somebody on the boat tell us who that is? Takes your best friend to recognize you, doesn't it? Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And you know why? He, he had denied Jesus. He told Jesus, when they come to get you, they'll have to take me. And I, I'm going to die with you. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And Jesus looked at him and said, before the night's over, you'll deny that you even know me. Before the cock crows. After the third time, the cock crowed. So he dives into the water ahead of the other men. He had to because he had some unfinished business with Jesus. He had some apologizing to do. He was asking for forgiveness. And he, he was a proud man. He was a big man. And he, and he was also struggling with uh, being a coward, which was solved later when he went to Jerusalem and waited for the Holy Spirit. When he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that same coward came, Peter, came down out of the room on the, the day of Pentecost, one of the busiest feast days of the year, and he got up on a high place and started preaching. And the message he was preaching was the same message that got Jesus crucified. Does that sound like the same guy to you? He's got to get up on the shore quick because he's got some business to take care of. Verse 8, and the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Now listen to verse 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. When Jesus motions for you to come, you can bet he's going to have something prepared for you. When they got there, the fish was already cooking and the bread had already been sliced. And God is never without preparation. Sometimes it's hard for us to walk with God because he does strange things. After he was raised from the dead, he did real strange things. He could walk through walls. He could be in one place in Israel and, and be two hours away in the blink of an eye. Something was going on. How many of you know that some people have confused God with the church? The church is the society where God dwells, but the church is not God. Are you listening to me? There's a great difference between the society in which God dwells and the one who sits on the throne in the midst of that society. 
To walk with God, you've got to deal with the infinite. What's that word mean? Without end. As a school teacher, I used to challenge my 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. Somebody raise your hand and tell us what infinite uh, means. Forever. Eternal. All those meaningless words. Boy, they would fling their hands. I know, I know all about it. The one I got them on really bad was the word nothing. I want all of you to close your eyes now. And whenever, I want you to think of nothing. When you get it, raise your hand. Boy, there's that one kid that's always raising his hand. I got it, I got it, I got it. And I said, well, what'd you see? Nothing. Well, can you describe that for us? Well, it's, it's just a black. It's like black. Well, if it's a black void, that's still something, isn't it? See, you can't. We, we had to think up words to describe these things that have no meaning. Nothing. Margie's laughing back there because she was in that class. You learned something in my class, didn't you? Well, yeah. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We gripe at God. Peter probably like, Are you going to force me to, to, to dive off this boat and swim over there and further degrade myself? You know, sometimes when you've made a fool out of yourself, God will just let you strangle yourself a little bit so you can get the full taste of what you've done. He's not going to let you die, but you need to realize what you've done. I can't even imagine. And listen, I'm not comparing myself with Peter because if I'd have been there, maybe I would have denied him too. And maybe you would have well. It's hard to stay up with God because he's always moving. It's like a little kid running after his daddy. Daddy, daddy, wait, wait. And he could never quite catch him. His daddy's legs are longer than his. Genesis 1, 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness, there's that word. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And when God, listen to me now, are you listening? When God moves, you better move with him. But don't get ahead of him. That's a mistake a lot of you wait. Well, I think, I think God took a vacation this week, so I'll, I'll let him rest and I'll keep going. And I'll, Don't worry, God, I'll finish this up for you. How many of you know God doesn't really need your help? He does allow you to help, but he doesn't actually need your help. God is perpetually moving forward. Now, there are stagnant people who cannot keep up with God. And please pray that you're not one of those. If you're, I'll give you an example. If you're one of those people that really believes in traditions, the traditions of the church. Remember that old Jewish uh, song from the, the musical? Tradition, tradition. What was the name of that musical, dear? Who? Fiddler on the Roof. There you go. Traditions may sound good to some people like everything about around them to be in order. If you're like that, you're going to have a problem following God because God will purposely stir the pot all the time. He keeps everything fresh and new. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a service where nobody knew what was going to happen next? That's coming. You better get ready. 
The moving of God is going to be so radical in this church that we're going to just have, we're going to be forced, in fact, to stand here and wait with our mouths open. What is he going to do next? And I'll tell you another thing. When you walk with God, it'll challenge your religiosity, your mediocrity, and it'll challenge your idea of what's normal. You think you know what's normal. You, you have no idea. Can you imagine the vastness of this great God? He is an infinite God. Where did he come from? That's the big question that these atheist scientists will always come at you with. Well, smarty pants, if you're so smart, where did God come from? He didn't come from anywhere. In fact, that's the main definition of God. He is without beginning and he's most definitely without end. He's coming back for you too. This complex Savior died right in the middle of their dream. He died on a cross at the very hands of the Romans and it blew those disciples' minds. They had been waiting for this guy for hundreds of years and here he is. He's finally shown up. Every nation in the world at that time had conquered Israel. All of them. Let's go conquer Israel. We ain't got nothing to do this weekend. And finally the Romans got a hold of him because the Romans saw in Israel a cash cow. They would just milk them for their tax money constantly. And they'd come to your house and if you didn't have the money, they'd take your cow. They'd take your donkey. They might take one of your kids because you were going to pay Caesar what was owed to Caesar. And finally this guy shows up and he says, I am him. I am the Messiah. When they ask him right out there, are you the Messiah? He said, I am he. He didn't deny it. The same man who walked on the sea allowed himself to be dragged to the instrument of his death and he never mumbled a word. When they threw that cross on the ground and threw him on top of it and they started driving nails through his hands, not his wrists, through his hands and through his feet, he never mumbled a word. Suddenly, listen to this, the dream of those 12 disciples was being shattered right at that moment. This isn't right. This guy, he said, don't, at one point he said, don't you know that I can call on my Father in heaven and he will send 12 legions of angels to take me out of this place. And somebody did the math on that, and that's as many as 144,000 soldiers with armaments and everything they knew they needed to destroy their enemy. He didn't call any of them. He went to the cross. Do you know why? If he had not gone to the cross, you would go to hell for eternity. Hell is an eternal place. You don't go there and stay about, oh, let's see, you send a little, so you'll go there for 50 years. Or you'll go there for 90 years, and then we'll let you out. There are people even preaching that now, that you, you and they've got another place called purgatory. Purgatory's not in the Bible. Where did we get that? We got it from some well-meaning religious people who had a problem with hell. And by the way, there's some well-meaning charismatic preachers that 
uh, Carlton Pearson, who, who went to Oral Roberts University. He was one of the greatest students that went through that place. And in the first year after he graduated, he had a church of 900 people in just the first year. He got up in the pulpit one day and he said, I'm sorry, but I can't handle this concept of hell any longer. I won't preach it. I don't believe in it. You know what he did at that moment? He had to take a pair of scissors and cut about a fourth of the Bible right out. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what God says. Come on. I don't like the idea of it either. But let me ask you a question. Was it hard for any of you here to take steps to alleviate the possibility that you might go to hell? All you had to do was say yes. That's it. All you had to do was say yes. And they crucified him. God help us. They crucified the God-man. Think about that phrase, the God-man. The Bible said he wasn't half God and half man. He was fully man and he was fully God. That's who they crucified. And I'm telling you that we need to get on top of that and we need to start understanding that and other things because we're about to rise up in this church and we're going to start walking in the supernatural around here. Are you listening to me? Instead of somebody coming up and saying, well, I've really got, I, I got cancer and they say I've got six months to live. And instead of saying our little, well, Lord, I hope, I hope they feel better. And, you know, <laughs> we're sorry. No, we're going to pray in power. We're going to pray in the supernatural. Jesus said, the things I have done, you shall do and greater things than these shall you do. That's why he sent the Holy Ghost. And we're going to start walking in it or I quit. <laughs> I'm 70 years old. You can't make me stay. <laughs> the only thing I want you to do is just cooperate. And, and whenever you feel like doing something negative, don't go like this. Go like this. Constant. When I was on the road, I would constantly in a prayer line have to grab somebody's chin and say, quit doing this and do this. You know what that means? Stop disagreeing with They couldn't believe. I tell them something right out of the word. They couldn't believe it. And so I know they couldn't believe it. It's like when I'm asking them, okay, I've explained to you about how to speak in tongues. It's half God and half you. The Bible says they spoke in tongues as he gave the utterance. And all the time I'm telling them this, we're in a circle. I'm telling them, you know what they're doing? You know what that means? I don't care what you say, John. It's not possible. It, it may be possible for you, but it's not possible for me. Why would it be possible for me, but not possible for you? Somebody's got to stand up and start believing. If the Bible says it, it's as good as gold to me. Peter was a fisherman. And sometimes when life was uncomfortable, he wanted to retreat back to what was comfortable, and that was his human nature. He wanted to go back to the lake. We call it the Sea of Galilee. It's just really a lake. Aren't you ready to walk in the supernatural? I mean, I'm tired of, of who said what and why he or she's dressed like that, and I need to get back to the eyes of Jesus. Come on. We need to go back where Jesus is. We need to rediscover him. We need to find out who the real Jesus was. He was a sea walker. He walked on the water. 
God help us. I'd like to walk on some water myself. We got a lot of people in the body of Christ today who are copying other people. They're imitating other preachers they've seen, and we need to stop that. You know, that, that, that's like a plague, and it, it affected me when I first got in a pulpit ministry. You know, when I was an evangelist, that was easy. I'd, I'd go to a place, I'd preach the, the message of Jesus and the cross. There would always be people saved and always people baptized in the Spirit, and all of them spoke in tongues everywhere I went. But when I went from that to being a pastor, I was captive. I was held captive by an audience. Actually, you were held captive by me. I had to minister to you every week and it needed to be new and fresh and exciting and God forbid if there was one boring word in it because somebody might leave and all that's happened to me. All that, I had a family come in one day and uh, now, now check this out. This was years ago and I had uh, t- talked them out of getting a divorce. One of their kids had a terminal disease. We got them through that. Kids healed. Uh, finances were a disaster, and then God blessed them, and we were right there praying with them and believing. And so they came in one day and said, hey, uh, sorry, but we're going to leave. We're go- There's another church down here. That we're going down there. I, w- I want to say a word to you. One of the reasons I love all of you is because you're loyal. People who work for me, that's every one of them. I've told every one of them the same. There's only one thing I ask of you, loyalty. If I find out you've been talking about me behind my back, you're out of here. Are you listening? Because when you get a negative mouth going in a congregation, it doesn't take long to just blow up the whole thing. And you ever wonder, does John blow it? Frequently. Is John ever boring? A lot. Does John ever have a bad day just like you? But I love him. We discovered early on that we were wanting to be in a church where the pastor loved the Lord and believed the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I wanted to sit up underneath somebody who believed that. Now listen to me, we're finding charismatic churches now, they're just disappearing. Nobody speaks in tongues anymore, nobody believes God, nobody prays for a miracle. It's gotten boring and tedious, but listen to me, joy comes in the morning. They came out of the night on that boat, sweat everywhere, and I'd have one fish, and they see this lunatic on the beach. Now who, can we be honest here? Who cooks fish on the beach at dawn? Don't you want a bowl of cereal and some milk? Who is that? John leans over. Why, I believe that's the Lord. Why were they having a problem? Not just because it was twilight. It's because, listen to this, when Jesus was resurrected, he was glorified. What does that mean? Everything changed. All of the molecules in his body changed. He got a body after his resurrection. He didn't need doors anymore. I'm not sure there are going to be any doors in heaven. Why would you need a door? You can just walk right through it. I know that's true because doubting Thomas, they're in the upper room. 
Somebody runs in. They went down to the grave of Jesus and it was empty. The stone was rolled away. Blah, blah, blah. And, and the, the doubting Thomas said, well, I'm not going to believe it till I put my finger in the holes in his hands and stick my hand up in the wound in his side. I ain't going to believe it. And at that very moment, Jesus walked through a wall. Just walk. And here's Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Thomas falls on his knees and listen, he said he's weeping, already weeping before he hits the floor. My Lord and my God. He said, how blessed are you, Thomas? You've seen me and you believe. How much more blessed are those who've never seen me and believe? That's you. You are blessed. You were, listen to me, you were handpicked to live in this time. At this time in history. What time is it? It's time to go home. This is the end, folks. Do I know when he's coming? No, but he's coming. And I believe he's going to come in some of your lifetimes. I, I still think he's coming in my lifetime. I could be wrong. But I had a dream right after I got saved of the rapture, and I was alive when it happened, and I was in it. I was in a room just like this, and I was standing at a, a podium, and all, but the people in, weren't sitting. They had all gotten up and gathered around the podium with me. My wife was here. My son was here. All around us. I didn't have a son when I had the dream. And here's the, here's the funny part. We were standing there expecting the rapture. Now, I, I had a problem with that dream for years because I knew that nobody knows when he's coming. Jesus said he didn't even know. But if you read those scriptures, you will find in there, that day shall not take you unaware. Remember that scripture? I believe there will be so many things happening that you will get up every morning literally expecting Jesus to show up in the clouds. And so there we stood. Suddenly there was a sound of a trumpet. And in the background, this all happened at the same time. In the background, there was a choir of a million voices, very soft and very low in tone. Now, we didn't crash through the ceiling of that building. It's more like the ceiling rolled away and we went right through it. It was like being on an elevator without walls. The floor was still there. And as we went up, we, we started accelerating. Our hair was blowing in the wind. The choir in the background started getting louder and louder, and their pitch went higher and higher. And, and we're all waving our hands. We made it. We made it. And we all looked up as we're waving our hands, and guess what? There was Jesus right there standing on a cloud. And we went right up there to him. That was the end of the dream. He's coming. Are you ready? He's coming. Do you have your finances in order? He's coming. Do you have your house in order? Do you have your marriage in order? Do you have your kids in order? He's coming. He's coming. Ain't nothing going to stop him. He is coming. And every eye shall be, uh, see him. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. He's coming. He's coming. And when he comes, he's coming in power. And I just think, he might stand on that cloud and yell down, Have you any meat? What did you catch for me? What have you done in the kingdom for me? Have you any meat? Oh, God, help us to have an answer to that. 
because there's going to be some questions asked. Are you ready for that? You see, all of you husbands, you're going to be asked questions about your family. Uh, you're going to be held responsible. God's going to look at you husbands and say, what did you do with your wife? What did you do with your, ch- your children? See, guys, you don't just get to be king. Oh, I love being king. There's responsibility that goes with it. Say amen, ladies. God asked Adam some questions. Like, who told you you were naked? God asked Ezekiel some questions. Ezekiel, can these bones live? God asked Peter some questions. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. With all the things that you've done for yourself, the things you've performed to provide for yourself, have you any meat? Is there laid up in heaven a gift for you from God? We're going, at the rapture, we're going to a big banquet, a party. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, and I believe that's where God will be handing out awards. Everybody look at me. We're all going to go to heaven, but some of us are going to live in a little bit bigger houses than others. And it's not going to be, listen listen to me, it's not going to be the people you think. I think the people that are going to be really rewarded are not just the ones you've seen on television waving their hands around and acting crazy. I think it might be ladies like that woman who followed Billy Graham. She would get his schedule and, and she would go to the city where he was going to go next. She, would, she was rich. And she would rent a motel room and she'd stay in there for two weeks fasting and praying for his next uh, crusade. And she didn't tell anybody. Somebody found out and told Billy Graham. He was beside himself. Those are the kind of people that had the meat. Are you listening? Just because Billy Graham or any of these other great guys had a gift for gab, so to speak, and I, don't get me wrong, I think Billy Graham had a lot of meat. He's known as the greatest evangelist who ever lived, and I believe he fit, I think the shoes fit. Would you agree? Did you know he didn't speak in tongues, but he believed in it? And he came out of a Baptist tradition, and he was so ingrained in it, he couldn't hardly get out of it. Somebody asked him one day what he thought of speaking in tongues, and he said, it's in the Bible. That's all he said. You know, today we're we're bragging about the church and the beautiful things we've hung on the wall and how big it is and how many people we got. But do we have any meat? Is anybody being healed? Is anybody being saved? Is anybody being delivered? Is anybody being set free? Have you any meat? We've been so busy about the process of trying to get it that we didn't notice that we don't have it. (laughs) We don't have it. I think sometimes we just have to kneel down on our knees and, and just finally confess, God, I don't got it. I thought I was a real hot dog, but I don't have it. 
And I'm, I'm beginning to realize without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I will always be nothing. Where is your meat? This lady spoke to you for 15 minutes. Did you hear what she said? Do you have any meat? That's exactly what she was talking about. We didn't get together before church today and work that out. And I, I suppose all of you know, and I'm closing, that there is a devil and he doesn't want you to have any meat. He wants you to die. He wants you to just roll up and die. And he wants you to die as a weak pauper with nothing to your name. Nobody cares about you. Just die and go on off into history. You know what? Us preachers need a whole hour to get our message. Jesus could do it in an hour. I mean, he could just do it in a few minutes. He could say a few words, and he could fill you up with meat. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, some people, you remember John in the boat, Jesus' friend? Some people would deny, despise him. They would be jealous of him. How dare you think that you could have that kind of relationship with Jesus? Who do you think you are? But you know what? Jesus loved him. And you know why? Because he was loyal. Listen to me. He was loyal. You never catch John bad-mouthing Jesus, passing on a rumor about Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. We needed the Johns, but we also needed some wild men, too. Peter, he was a wild man. You know, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he wasn't the same guy anymore. He was a maniac. Everywhere he went, he preached that word that got Jesus crucified. And finally, on the last day of his life, in Rome, when they came to kill him, crucify him, he said, please, please, I don't deserve to be crucified the same way Jesus was. Can you turn me upside down? And they crucified him upside down. I believe the man had some meat. I just wonder if maybe a couple of his guards got saved that day. See, there's parts of the story we don't know. How many of those guards in the prison while he was being held, how many of them got saved? They come by his cell every day and bring him some food or water and he'd give them some meat. <laughs> Are you getting this? Because he was, by that time, he was so full of meat, he just couldn't help himself. He had to find some place where he could share it. Philippians 1, 7, 3, 7. Chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Let me tell you, look at me, and I'm closing. At the end of your life, the only thing that will matter to you is him. Oh, you'll care about your kids. 
You'll care about your mate. You'll have some good memories. But the only thing that will matter to you is him. He's looking at you every day, and he's weeping over you. Everybody, everybody look at me. Some of you in here have a lot of meat, and some of you in here don't have much. You know why? Because you have to pay a price to get meat. It's uh, not convenient to read that book called the Bible. It gets a little bit tedious. It's a lot more fun to watch a football game on the television or something. But if you want meat in your life, if you want to be remembered as a, per a person who was filled with the truth of the meat of God, you're going to have to sacrifice part of your life to get it. Just like right now, and you have. You came to church today, and I'm not putting them down, but there are people that, that uh, needed to sleep, and they slept. Uh, some people didn't need to sleep, but they slept anyway. <laughs> are, you, are you hearing me? You got to pay a price. It's not, it's not easy to go up to the hospital and pray for somebody that you heard a year ago was gossiping about you and telling people nasty things about you. And then you found out yesterday they're in the hospital and they got cancer and they're going to die. And God came to you in the night and he said, have you any meat? I want you at the hospital as early as you can get there in the morning. I want you to lay hands on that. But God, don't you remember what they did to me and they plunged that knife into my heart? Have you any meat? Some of you struggle with forgiveness. I don't understand it. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. That makes it pretty plain. Have you any meat? Let's pray. John, turn the lights out just for a moment. You're sitting next to somebody, just hold their hand. You're not being fresh, just hold her hand. We're going to agree together. Now, Lord, as I presented this message today, I don't want anybody in here to think that I'm judging them. I'm not. I want you to understand I'm in the same boat you're in. I've got the same needs you've got. I'm crying out to the same God you're crying out to. I need your help as much as you need mine. And together, we're going to get some meat. We're going to fill up this church with meat so that people in our town that are hungry will know there's at least one place where they can go and get fed spiritually. And you need to pray for me every day. If you think it's easy to prepare a message for you twice a week, you better think again. It's not easy. Oh, boo-hoo. No, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm asking for your prayers. Because i got to tell you something. How can I give you any meat if I don't have any? Who feeds me? People walk in my office and they see all those books. Please hear me. I'm not bragging. Just listen to me. At my house, I've got over 4,000 books. Because I need some meat. I don't want to step up here every week and give you nothing. And I am not a preacher. Just get that out of your craw right now. I'm a teacher. And God spoke to me one day and he said, 
good for you, John, because we need teachers in the body. That's where the meat comes from. Don't get me wrong, we need preachers too. Sometimes the audience, the congregation is so down and depressed and despondent, they can't even hardly get up. And so a preacher will get up in that pulpit and he'll get you all wired up and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. We need preachers, but we need teachers too. Part of the five-fold ministry, Ephesians 4, verse 11, the five-fold ministries. He gave some evangelists, pastors, teachers. Listen, we need them all. Father, today, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I worship you. Almighty God, there is none like you. There is none like you. Lord, as we go today, we're asking you. If you agree with me, say amen. We're asking you for meat. And Lord, we're asking you to prepare our hearts to receive meat. We're asking you for the supernatural. I'm asking you that every person in our church that needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost will be. And they'll speak in tongues. And they'll discover a brand new weapon in their arsenal to defeat the enemy. Father, we will stand up with meat and feed those that are dying and hurt in despair. And Father, they then can stand up and say, I have meat. Lord, bless us now as we go in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hug on somebody before you go. Wait, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. I just wanted to take a minute to tell the men that uh, called at last minute on Thursday to help with the furniture from the Doherty's. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We had several, several guys and... Um, step up to the plate just at last minute and go over there and had it done in a swift manner. So thank, thank you. you guys. Okay. Give them a hand, you? Hug on somebody that you don't think you know very well. Ask them if they got any meat. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.